Welcome to Explore the Space. We're digging into healthcare issues that matter most. Our guests and conversations mine these issues for perspective and answers. There is a gulf between healthcare and our communities. This is the place to talk about it. Now here's your host, Dr. Mark Shapiro. Welcome back to Explore the Space and welcome to episode number 148. My guest today is Dr. Jessie Gold and Jessie is a psychiatrist and she is an assistant professor of psychiatry at Washington University. And she comes today at a really important and a really fraught and challenging time. She comes to discuss the dangers of linking gun violence and mental illness. And we frame this around an article that she wrote that was published in Time Magazine on August 7th of 2019, where she and another great friend of Explore the Space and a very prominent emergency physician and researcher on gun violence, Megan Rainey, wrote this superb article where they lay out the problems with linking gun violence and mental illness. And they bring up this concept called the illusory truth effect. And this really unlocks the puzzle in so many ways, this concept in this article that they wrote. Jesse and I go deep into what illusory truth effect is and the impact that illusory truth effect has had in this discussion. And then what happens when our attention gets diverted and we get rerouted instead of focusing on what we know to be causes of gun violence, we find that we are subject to the, the trickery and the obfuscation that comes from illusory truth effect. This was a fabulous conversation. It was really illuminating and really important. As I mentioned, Megan Rainey has been on Explore the Space before. You can go to the archive at www.explorethespaceshow.com. She was episode number 116. And I would ask all of you to please take a look at the whole archive. It's packed with great content. If you're interested in content around the gun violence epidemic in the United States, there's much content in the archive with incredible guests like Joe Saccharin, Mary Brandt, and Shannon Watts, among many others. So please take a look around the archive. There's incredible opportunities to learn from experts from across the spectrum. You can find me on social media. I'm very active on Twitter at ETS show, Instagram at explore the space show. You can email me anytime, mark at explore the space show.com. And you can find explore the space on all of your favorite platforms. We are there on all of them. Definitely subscribe because the content will keep coming. Absolutely. And you don't want to miss out on great episodes. If you have the chance, as I, as I always say at the beginning of these episodes, if you have the opportunity to leave us a rating and a review, it is very much appreciated and it really does help other people find this podcast. And so it's a great way to support this show and any other podcast that you like. So if you have that chance to leave a rating and review, it is much appreciated. Jesse Gold has a really interesting command and insight into such an important subject. And this, I think, will help us all to reframe when we talk about gun violence and somebody says one of the causes is mental illness. We are now equipped with the tools to overcome that, to move away from it, and to stay focused on what is important, the cause of gun violence being easy access to firearms. This is a fabulous conversation. It's an important conversation. So without further ado, Jesse Gold. Jesse, welcome to Explore the Space. I appreciate you coming on. Thank you so much for having me. We are in a strange time where it's not a different time where we know and understand that we're dealing with an epidemic of gun violence, but the time is strange because the, the conversations are changing and the narratives that I grew up with and I would suspect you grew up with are being challenged and in some cases overturned or in the, at the very least being pushed back against very, very hard. One of those is the 
conversation around gun violence and mental illness. And I read with great appreciation an article that you wrote in Time Magazine on August 7th with a, a, a colleague and a great friend of the podcast, Megan Ranney, that was titled The Dangers of Linking Gun Violence and Mental Illness. So first of all, I will thank you for writing that article, and I'm glad that Time Magazine had the wisdom and foresight to say this is an article that needs to be in our pages. So well done. Thank you. Let's start with, let's start right in the middle. Let's start with the thing that I wrestle with the most. And I'll share this with you, and we talked about this just a little bit before we started to record. I don't know how to even talk about gun violence and mental illness. They are so conflated, but the conflation is wrong. Your article does a great job of laying out why it's wrong. Let's just start from the beginning. If I reach out to you and I say, I want to talk about gun violence and mental illness, my concern is that when I say that, I am validating this old obfuscation that we're trying to overcome. By using the word and. Yeah. Yeah. You're not wrong. I think that when things are brought up in the same conversation, it links them. So if you are repeatedly saying, you know, after a mass shooting, you're blaming mental illness for it, or the only thing that you talk about is mental illness, people begin to link the two. And then it's very hard to separate it after. Um, In the article, we talk about something called the illusory truth effect, which I actually learned, which I actually learned um, from Jen Gunter, Uh um, which is this idea that if you repeat things, people begin to think they're true. So it's similar, I think, to like we use the term gaslighting a lot when people try to change the topic or try to get you to focus on something else and get you to believe that. Um, I think it's it's within that same sphere of things, which is if you repeat things over and over and over it seems like when you recall the history that that's all you're remembering too. So it must be true. So gun violence and mental illness and saying it that way definitely does do that as to what to change it to. I struggle with that a lot too. I mean, it's not wrong to talk about mental illness. It's not wrong to then try to correct the myths that are brought up about gun violence and mental illness but it's really hard to do so without also giving voice to this incorrect association. The illusory truth effect, and it's it's so interesting and so impactful that the very first paragraph of your article, you illustrate this point. And for me, right, you want to, as a sports writer, you always want to write a, your best stuff above the fold so your reader gets grabbed and pulled in. This grabbed and pulled me in because when I read that sentence and understood the illusory truth effect, that laid pretty clear what all of these different tools around gun violence are. Video games, mental illness, whatever else people come up with except for easy access to firearms and bulk ammunition and tactical gear. All of those have that illusory truth effect. We have to somehow figure out a way of breaking that link. It's going to be hard to find a different term than and, but we have to come up with, instead of an illusory truth effect, I, I guess it's, we have to come up with a truth effect. Totally. I, I, it's really interesting when I learned the term too, and then I was listening to the radio and the television um, after the more recent um, mass shootings, I 
just kind of stopped and was like, this is what they're doing. Yeah. <laughs> like, this is what talking points are. Exactly. And they, you know, they say things to see what sticks and what grabs like attention of the public, you know? So if you say something and nobody cares or nobody then has any data to attempt to back it up, it feels like that's not the right thing to say. But if you say something and then people are like, well, if someone can shoot a lot of people, they must be mentally ill. That's right. It just makes it so easy to use that as a talking point because there are a lot of people who will believe it. For me, what was very effective after I read this, I, very soon after I read it, I had a conversation with a colleague who is very smart, very bright, very engaged, fully acknowledges where we are with the gun violence epidemic in the United States. And the way that I was able to kind of move through the conversation and help him to have a different understanding because he did default to these, as you said, these people must be mentally ill. This idea of, it's not that they're not trying to say they're not, they're not, they're not. It was, this is what's helped you to think that way. You are being tricked. You are, you are being held by the illusory truth effect. You have heard something wrong by people whose interests are in collision with what's going to keep people from dying from gun violence because they have outside interests and purposes that are nefarious. You're falling victim to that. And here is the, the history behind it. And here is a different way to look at it. That was really effective. It helped my colleague have a different view of this. That, And that in parallel with prioritizing what are the solutions and the tools that we have to address gun violence, it was really effective. It was, it was actually quite exciting. It's so good that it worked. <laughs> There's a few times when you know that you make an argument and you can sway someone's opinion, and it's really nice to hear. So I appreciate you telling me that story. Absolutely. And that's the thing that, around this article that you wrote. Uh, so, but let's get into some specifics. Mm-hmm. You are you are an expert. You mentioned Jen Gunter, and you learned that term from her earlier. I've learned the importance from her of saying you're an expert. This is something I'm an expert in. So wh- when I say this, here is where I base my expertise. You are an expert in mental illness. You're a psychiatrist. You're board certified. You practice this stuff every day, and you clearly are immersed in the effects of gun violence, particularly on a younger population, because you work with college students primarily. Yes. So, given that scope. Can we talk about the separation and the gap between gun violence and mental illness from the perspective of those who, those who commit acts of gun violence and mental illness? And then we need to spend a little bit of time with people who suffer from mental illness and the rates at which they are subjected to acts of violence, because I think these are very important things to look at. Right. And they're completely different, but yet kind of conflated to be the same (laughs) topics. Totally. Um, Yes. You know, in a college population, we're seeing really high rates of mental illness and a lot of utilization of services more than previously. And there's a lot of conversation around whether that has to do with acuity coming into college, more awareness of mental illness coming into college, or really like there's something in the environment that people are just sicker. It's hard to know. I would say that 
stigma absolutely still does exist towards mental illness in general. Admitting you have a problem tends to be delayed significantly. Um, Like noticing warning signs also falls in this category because, you know, things like not sleeping, not eating a lot, missing meals, like some of that are actually like badges of honor in college, like pulling an all nighter. Um, so it's very hard for people to say like, that must be a sign that something's wrong with me. Um, I should go talk to someone about it before it gets to the point where I'm actually really quite sick. Um, and I think that like seeing that all of the time, um, and hearing people, I would say also from different, different opinions than their family members on what mental illness is and being afraid to get bills at home that say that they saw a psychiatrist because their parent's name is on the insurance or to see that they ordered medication because, again, their parent's name is on the insurance or just cultural differences because uh, college population is super international. Um, seeing all of those different ways that stigma plays out, I'm very... I would say extra aware of when things feel like they're going to make that worse. And with a couple of the mass shootings being in college or on college campuses, and then oftentimes the sort of like age of the shooter um, or the perpetrator, whatever you would like to, to whatever term you would like to use, um, falls in that range. So tends to be in a white male in their 20s. <laughs> um, so I think when I look at the people that I see and then I hear what I hear on the news or in on the radio or on social media about these people, I just can see my patients being more and more afraid to admit that there's something wrong with them. And that scares me, wow. to be honest. So that's all, you're seeing that where the concern, this conflation of people with mental illness are going to commit acts of gun violence is causing people to hold back in terms of seeking help for mental illnesses that they may feel they have. Totally. I mean, I can't give like exact examples or evidence to say that that's true, but you can just, you know, there are things people say where you can tell they got that from the news. (laughs) My population, especially because they're super consumers of that. Like all they do is read social media for better or worse, which is a different topic. Right. right. Um, (laughs) That'll be (laughs) volume two of Jesse Gold on Explore the Space. Yeah, absolutely. It's a whole different topic. Yeah. But they're reading that and they're seeing, you know, they might only read a headline, right? And the headline says, like, this is because of mental illness. And so they think, well, I'm on, I'm on antidepressants. I'm not violent, but if I told a friend that I was on antidepressants, would they think I'm violent? Would my family think I'm violent? You know, it's very easy to understand how people get those negative self perceptions, right? Because there's this like global stigma in the population, but there also then becomes like a self stigma where you're absorbing what the population is saying and you actually kind of start to feel that about yourself. That's difficult to hear because it's so much time and effort and energy has gone into helping people feel like what you were saying at the beginning. Access is important. Seek help. Help is available. That this is getting in the way of that. Totally. Now, let's go to this other part that we brought up, that you brought up at the beginning as well. And I think we talked about just a little bit. I want to get a little bit deeper on the subject of, we'll spend a little bit more time around mass shootings. 
but that's mm-hmm. obviously not the bulk of the gun violence that happens in America. But I do want to spend a little bit more time on something. When one of these happens, they, they, they bring out a level of horror and fright and really intense emotion. And I think that this is where the use of the illusory truth effect has been so effective. It's really easy and it's almost soothing to say that person must be crazy. Why mm-hmm. else would someone do something like this unless they were mentally ill? I mm-hmm. cannot begin to count over the course of my life from like Columbine forward the number of times I've heard and read and been exposed to that motif. It's easier to say that, but mm-hmm. we have to unpack it a little bit. And one of the things that has surfaced around this that I think has been very effective is the statement that they're not crazy they are not mentally ill because hatred is not a mental illness right and it's it's interesting you caught yourself saying the word crazy because i do think that also is something that we do a lot and don't realize we totally. do i catch myself all the time with that and it's it's a very stigmatizing word right Absolutely. like it's not it's not nice yeah. but not meaning to say it always in a negative way, right? It just sort of rolls off our tongue because it's used so colloquially. But I appreciate that you stopped yourself. Um, But, you know, I think it's very hard for people to see things happen and not have a reason. Yes. That's well put. That's very well put. I think if you are seeing something like even just a murder, like one, (laughs) people want to know what's wrong in their brain. They want to watch that Netflix series about like psychopathy and where it's coming from and how did someone end up that way? They want to hear about their upbringing to see what could possibly be the one time during their past that could have predicted what they would become in the future. You know, there's just like an interest in that. And there's an interest in being able to say like, well, that's why they did it, you know? And I think it's so unsatisfying to not be able to say that. It's it's really unsatisfying for people to say, like, actually, some people just do bad things. Like, there are people who do things that are not what you would do and are hurting other people, and we don't really know why. Um, But I would submit that we might. And I would submit that we we know that nature abhors a vacuum. I use that term more and more on this show. And so in that vacuum, when one of these things happen, we throw in the, we throw in what we, what's easy and readily available. They must be mentally Mm -hmm. ill. Well, there's, there's other terms that we can use. They're not mentally ill. They hate. They're filled with irrational hatred. They're filled with misogyny. They are under the influence of substances. They are, whatever the case may be, they are reacting to something impulsively and they have a firearm at hand. Mary Brandt came on the show several months ago and talked about that exact thing that when someone is acting impulsively, the worst thing that can be near them is a firearm because if they use it, the the impulse for whatever is driving it is going to lead to a devastating and disproportionate effect. Mm-hmm. I, I think we need to work really hard to create language and terms that are specific and that fill that vacuum that will then right it's it's competitive inhibition we have to edge mental illness out and fill the receptor that the brain needs to explain why this just happened with something that's much more realistic and actionable totally and i think one of the reasons i mean this is a hypothesis but i think it's 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 hard for people to have like a a kind of i mean it's a broad term hate right 
Like, does that mean that if there are things like you could become that person more easily if it's hate or if it's misogyny and you have some of those thoughts? I don't Super know what scary it is to think about. Yeah, sure. maybe it's just like it feels more um, like it's encompassing the whole population in some capacity, which is very sad. Yeah. Um, but I do think that there, there's something with th- that that scares people. Like maybe it's the broad terms. Maybe it's they don't like those words. Maybe it's they really don't believe that they are those words or that they have those thoughts. I, I don't know, like some kind of cognitive dissonance. But I agree. I mean, a lot of these um, people who perpetrate violence, you know, were had domestic violence incidents. There's a lot of signs of hatred against women. At some point, there's also, you know, signs of racism, that sort of thing. But all of those things are not included in any sort of diagnostic criteria and right. wouldn't be included in things like red flag laws unless the red flag law was very broad and included other reasons beyond mental illness that guns could be taken away. So that brings us to the important point, right? We can spend time on nomenclature. We also need to spend more time on solutions. I'm glad that you brought up red flag laws. We need to be thinking very carefully about, because we control that. We can, you know, we, we write these laws. We get to elect the people that will write these laws we would need to be very proactive about thinking around what else needs to be in these. And what are, when we look at the solutions to the gun violence epidemic, we know that what we're, what we're getting to and what you wrote this article about is to say, we're not proffering a bunch of solutions. What we're working on in this space with this connection between mental illness and gun violence is to help people to realize that that is a false dichotomy and it's obfuscation, and it's keeping you from real solutions. To say it's quote-unquote mental illness, right, that has stopped the momentum for way too long. What this effort is, is about move out of this space and move towards the spaces where there are things that we can say are the causes of gun violence, like easy access to firearms. Right, absolutely. I mean, I think... It, it scapegoats mental illness, but then nothing's even done to invest in mental illness. So yeah. it kind of stalls all the things. Yeah, it's it's kind of hard to say that, and I and I struggle sometimes on social media with saying something like that, which is like, well, if you're going to scapegoat them, you might as well give them money and help reform the system. But there is an element of truth in that, which is the mental health system has a ton of things that are wrong with it. A lot of it has nothing to do with violence or dangerousness, but there are a lot of access limitations, um, too much focus on acuity, not enough focus on prevention. Just a lot of that is definitely problems. And like, is it a horrible thing that we're talking about it? No, but is it a horrible thing that we're only talking about it in a very stigmatizing connected to mass violence way? Absolutely. Um, I also think we forget that a lot of gun violence is suicide. Um, we don't talk about that enough. Um, having access to a firearm, very similarly to, similarly to what you were saying with impulse, is a lot of times suicide's in a more impulsive act, less planned. And if you have a firearm in the home, just like you said with violence towards others, you're more likely to kill yourself as well. So if we're going to talk about mental illness, we should talk more about the risk of suicide with guns and how to protect, you know, how to safeguard weapons from kids, adults that are at high risk. 
we also talk nothing about the effect of these shootings or even just like one person is murdered. We don't talk about the aftermath at all. Um, we don't talk about what is this doing to us as a community? Are we have are we going to see higher rates of anxiety or PTSD from perpetually watching this stuff on TV? Um, are the families and the survivors going to have survivor guilt and have a really hard time in the future? And we don't know any of that. We don't have the research on that. We have some kind of long ago, somewhat related studies that you could make inferences based on. You can read social media feeds and see that people are mentioning they're more scared to go places, but there's not evidence, you know? And if you're going to talk about mental illness and we're going to talk about it in relation to mass shootings, I, I really hope that people do focus on that part. I, I will simply say that I agree with all of the things you said. I think it's been made very clear that those are all gaps. And the problem is, is that, right, like in this conversation, the, the illusory truth effect leads us down a separate road. And there are things that need to be discussed on that separate road, but they, they keep us away from what is the underlying cause of gun violence. Shannon Watts, the founder of Moms Demand Action, is very clear about this. There are a few people who know more about this than her. And it's right. easy access to firearms and anything else we're fooling ourselves. If we're going to be able to make meaningful impact on this, it's so fascinating to see how this happens. And it's frustrating as anything because it keeps happening. And so we're going to need an armada of people who can speak to this. And so when this comes up, this idea of mental illness being linked to gun violence, to be able to speak in, you know, in voices, stentorian, clearly articulating a message. We had great representation of that just a couple of days ago from Patrice Harris, who's the president of the American Medical Association. And her quote was this quote, so that everyone is clear, mass shootings do not equate to mental illness, do not equate to a problem with mental illness, end quote. That's clear. But we need, right, instead of illusory truth effect, we need truth effect. What is your sense of the profession of psychiatry's ability and interest to pick up their megaphones, to pick up what you know, Mona Hanna, Tisha tells, we've got a megaphone, we got to use it to pick it up and to start to use it. So I'm glad you mentioned Patrice Harris. I'm very excited. She's the president of the AMA and for many reasons. Um, but I love that she's a psychiatrist. And so these words come easily to her. Um, I honestly have been really also impressed with our other organizations like the APA, the Pediatrics Association, a couple of the other ones have all really stepped up and said things and they haven't always done that in the past. So from an organizational perspective, I've been proud of what the psychiatry organization has been doing. Um, I do think on the individual level as psychiatrists, uh, there's more fear of speaking publicly in general. I always kind of think this goes back to the idea that psychiatry as a profession and the way that we used to practice was much more blank slate. Like, you don't know who I am. You know nothing about me. I'm just here to project you onto you and help you, right? Oh, and the focus yeah. Yeah. the focus was never me. And if I'm speaking about something, it's it, it even if I'm not trying to, it is somewhat about me, right? I'm saying I'm an sure. expert enough to say something. Sure. And so I do think like, if you look on social media, there are, a, there's a 
maybe 10 to 15 pretty vocal psychiatrists on the platform. Right. But I would say if you look at that in comparison to ER doctors who completely dominate Twitter, yeah. there's just no there's no comparison. We're just not there yet. And so I think that like while people might want to talk, I don't know if they're like afraid to talk, they don't feel they have the tools to talk. They think it somehow violates the profession to talk. I'm not sure, but I'm quite young and I'm right out of residency, really. I've only been a faculty member for a year. And I was talking about this kind of stuff in popular press and on Twitter, even when I was in training. I didn't really feel like I could, as a medical student, really say much more than like what I was learning and feeling from my own like narrative experiences. But when I felt like they sort of started to add up enough, I felt like more confident behind my voice. And obviously seeing it modeled by other people on social media and so strongly made me feel more confident in being able to do that. But I do think it's just something that, I mean, even in medical schools is lacking, which is like teaching how to be an advocate and and how to use your voice and communicate in a way that people know what you're talking about. And frankly, in sound bites, like we don't know how to do that. <laughs> we, we take, I'm a psychiatrist. We're wordy. <laughs> we write long notes. <laughs> yeah. We write long notes. We ask right. long histories. If you, if you wanted me to give you a sound bite, I would have a lot of trouble because it's just not something I do very often. And so I think, There's just a lot of things in the way. Um, Even when you said at the beginning that I'm an expert, I will say I got a little bit of imposter syndrome and I I, I notice it happens. And one of my mentors said like, well, if you're not an expert, who is an expert? Like what is an expert? That's right. Exactly. I'll say a couple of things in response to this. Number one is on this issue of sound bites. That's a point well taken. However, a psychiatrist has just shown you how to do it. Patrice Harris just did that. She gave, totally. she knew exactly what she was doing when she made that quote. She knew, I guarantee you, if you asked her, Dr. Harris, were you aware that this is the quote that was going to be pulled and used in the U.S. News and World Report? She'd say, not only did I know it, I wanted it. That is, This was intentional. It's smart. That's the first thing. The second thing is I would suggest your points around psychiatrists and perhaps not feeling comfortable, not wanting, not not knowing how. I hear that. I will submit that we need more. We Absolutely. need psychiatrists just like physicians across the country, right? It's it's mental health that is getting pegged to this as a straw man. We need psychiatrists to stand up very clearly and say, this is wrong. Look elsewhere. This is not correct. You need to focus your attention on other places. It's been too long that you that the illusory truth effect has affected this profession and affected more importantly people who have mental illness and we need really strong pushback i mean it's in a public health emergency you need all resources so i would submit and i'll i'll put it right out there we need psychiatrists to move through that mindset and move through it quickly yeah i mean i think it's really I agree 100%. I want it to be a part of training. I want everybody, if anybody is a psychiatrist that's listening to this and they want help, feel free to reach out to me. Yeah, you're good at this. You're very good at it. Thank you. I mean, I think, you know, one of the things that I would say is like, I know about dangerousness and gun violence from psychiatric assessments in the ER and training. I am not 
a person who testifies in court. I am not a person who sees these cases all the time. I'm an outpatient psychiatrist now, right? But I've seen enough to be able to tell you this is wrong. <laughs> so I think that there is also this, well, like, that's not my area or that's not my research or that's not, this affects absolutely every patient that a psychiatrist would see. That's right. So no matter what your specialty is, even if you are like a researcher, this affects you. I mean, I had a patient um, that I saw maybe a couple weeks ago who said something to me like, um, you know, I'm feeling a little anxious because of the news. And I was like, well, there's been a lot of stuff in the news. Is that what you're talking about? And he's like, well, no, they just keep talking about mental illness and making mental health registries. And I'm a high functioning individual with a job that I don't really want all my employers to know what <laughs> like that I get treatment. And I also don't like being put in this category of violent. Like I exist in this world in a way that people might be surprised maybe to know that I have mental illness. Um, but they talk about all this stuff. Like it's just everyone, like we're going to add beds to institutions or we're going to reinstitutionalize <laughs> um, the country, which has become a new argument um, don't get me wrong. We definitely need more inpatient facilities for acute crises, but I, that's not the answer. So there's um, two things that I'm going to pull out of what you just said. One of them that I think is really smart is you make the point that you have seen these things. You do outpatient psychiatry now, but you have seen this. And I think mm -hmm. that that is the message for all of us to really take on board. The people that say that there is a connection have not seen any of this stuff. They're saying that because they've, they're either parroting what they've heard for years or they have a motive. Right. <laughs> a don't look at the guns the, motive. A don't look at the guns <laughs> motive. They're trying to obfuscate. For whatever reason, their motive is to obfuscate. Right. What we need to recognize is those who have seen this have to speak about that. They have more expertise and they need to feel empowered to share that. And it's when you have lots of voices doing it, right? This is why this is our lane right? That whole movement, hashtag, this is our lane. It's because so many people added their voice. Joe Saccharin is amazing, but it's because there's so many people that continue to amplify him as well. Megan Ranney is amazing, but it's right. the amplification. It's all these other people saying, I stand with you. I agree. I see this as well. That's what makes it effective. That's what makes it powerful. The second thing is, is that the narrative is getting worse. And I'm glad you brought up this issue about institutions because it was, we'll timestamp this episode a little bit. It was yesterday that the president of the United States says, quote, we have to start building institutions again when talking about mental health and, and this connection, this unreal connection between oh. guns and mental health. Like this is getting really to a precipice that we do not want to go over. Right. Like if some, for some reason we put everybody away, all of the gun violence would be better. Which is I mean, nonsense. I mean, it's absolutely absurd, but it's also really dangerous to say something like that and to not rebut it, to not have a countervailing voice that's really loud and clear saying that is wrong and it's dangerous and we're the experts. Totally. And it, what's sad is a lot of the people that are saying these things were around about the time that we deinstitutionalized this country <laughs> and are... And are well aware of the reasons why we did that, you know, like yeah. they were completely misused. The people who were getting put in them, the way they were treated, it was, it was, it was not good to say that we could maybe do a better job at something like that in the future is not incorrect. Um, but that's still not the answer. 
And it scares me to hear that kind of stuff come out of people's mouths. And I'm a practitioner. I'm not a patient. Yeah, no, I agree with you. So let's talk then about impact and let's talk about how we move forward. We've yeah. laid out, right, there is a shared expectation. I think more and more physicians are realizing that they need to use their voice. But part of using their voice is to encourage their colleagues, hey, when you have the opportunity to speak, you must speak. I think it's also important to know that there are great coaches and there are great resources available to help people with that. And that's really important. What for you are the priorities in the, in the, in the short term and in the long term to shift this narrative so that when we say guns and mental health, that the and isn't so like, isn't so fraught. Yeah. I mean, I think that what you're saying about the amplification of voices is super important. Um, if you look at any of the people that are, you know, you mentioned Shannon Watts or Megan Rainey, if you look at their feeds, they talk about statistics, they talk about real research behind this stuff, and they counter all the messages that you possibly could be hearing with fact, to whatever extent we have fact, right? So we obviously have limited research, because we have had to have limited research. But if you look at their feeds, that's a good place to start and amplify what they're saying. If you're a not a psychiatrist, I can bet you a lot of your patients have mental illness. <laughs> um, if you're a primary care doctor, about a third of your patients do. If you work in the ER, we could get in a long conversation about how most of your patients do. Yeah. So, I mean, you can't say that's not me and that doesn't affect me because if you're a prov provider of anything, it affects you. Um, I if think you're that's a, a really person, astute point that we don't want to put all of the weight on our psychiatrist and psychologist colleagues that we all have skin in the game. Totally. And, and one in four people have mental illness in this country. So basically you can have a small dinner party and you would be able to figure out who you're fighting for. Yeah. Um, and I think it's just, you're right. Like you have to, as, as annoying as it is and as stressful as it is, because I felt this yesterday when the institutionalization comment came up, which was Ugh, like, I have to now talk about institutions like, does that give fodder to the statement or is it necessary because so many people are going to pick it up that I have to say why this is a bad idea? This is interesting, and though, because this is the, this is important. It's how do we respond? And I get that your immediate response is, oh, my God, now I have to start talking about institutions again. No, you don't. That's what yeah. these that, that that's what the obfuscation wants. That's what they want response to the illusory truth effect. Really? Instead of you saying what is true, they say, well, what's your response to this statement about building institutions? My response is the problem of gun violence in America is due to easy access to guns. There is no connection between mental health and, and mass shootings, as stated by the president of the American Medical Association. Absolutely. It's you like have you to can't go further take upstream. the carrot. That's right. You have <laughs> you to go have further to upstream. Say, yeah. And to go back, right, our, our, our fellow friend on social media that's really good at this is Jen Gunter. When mm -hmm. she tackles things, she goes way further upstream. She doesn't validate the, the comment that's frustrating. She goes further upstream and just says what's true and says, and I know this because I'm the expert. So if you mm -hmm. were to go upstream and say, like, like Patrice Harris did, there is no connection between mass shootings and mental health. Everything else is moot. And then you focus on, and the problem is, what is the problem is easy access to firearms. It's going to take hitting that piano key over and over and over to undo decades and decades of illusory truth effect. And that's mm -hmm. why I love this article so much because it awakened me to that point. But we got to start. 
Right. I mean, it's so hard to not grab the carrot and run for it or for not sure. go like squirrel and follow it. <laughs> totally, you know? totally. But I think, and oh, it's no. very hard not to do that, you know, yeah, I think, yeah. and they're doing that to experts that, which means they're doing that to everybody. That's right. um, but I completely agree with you. Like my first reaction was, Oh, I don't want to do this. And then my second was like, don't pick it up. Don't pick it up. That's Talk right. about guns. Talk about guns. That's right. And that's the answer is yeah. like, we can't, also be privy like we can't be complete complicit right right <laughs> like by talking about what they want us to be talking about even if we're discrediting what they're talking about we're avoiding what we should be talking That's about right. and probably further somewhat amplifying the stigma accidentally absolutely even though we're really fighting for our patients not yep. the opposite and it's also a lot harder because when you do that you're on their agenda and you have to be much more mentally agile and dynamic to think about, well, how do I respond to this one? As opposed to there is no connection between mass shootings and mental health. The problem of gun violence is due to easy access to guns. I can say that over and over and over and over again, but to respond to every last carrot with squirrel and then to (laughs) have to like run in 15 different directions every time. That's the whole point. That's what, that's what these entities have conditioned and want because it keeps us from going back to the central motif that is the most scary for them but the most it important keeps us from action us. too that's right oh 100 percent. they've done nothing like nowhere nothing and they cut mental illness funding so it's like right. they've done nothing anywhere <laughs> well and that's what so that's what happens right it gets us into a spin about well you cut mental health funding and we deinstitutionalize the country and when we had institutions they were the we're now talking about three different pathways that are all totally valid that have nothing to do with gun violence. So Absolutely. we've been distracted and that was very effective. And then you're like, oh, darn it. <laughs> they they yeah. did it again. Yeah. It's really hard not to. And with patients bringing up that stuff, it's really hard not to because yeah. it scares them. It does. But in the same respect, you have to just be like, we have to fight for what we can fight for and hope that you know, something like that is so extreme that it's not possible. And it's just a talking point to get us talking. For me, this article that you wrote in Time Magazine is really important. It was really informative, I think, and I hope for many others, it's really important. And it's because of your ability to illustrate the illusory truth effect. And then for us to be able to have conversations around like this, and to see Dr. Harris set the example, how do you overcome it? You just don't, don't, don't bite, don't chase the carrot, stick to what is correct. Stick to where we have expertise, stick to where you have expertise. Dr. Harris has expertise. We all have our own things that we're good at because of our training and our experience. That's Mm -hmm. where we need to have our focus. And I really do appreciate you and Megan writing this article and emphasizing that point because that we got to, we got to get to the origin story so that we can start to unspool this. Yeah, it's a sticking to what you know is more powerful than anything else kind of conversation. Yep. But also in parallel, recognizing that we know a lot, right? Right. That was the start of this is our lane, right? Remember the NRA said to physicians, you should stay in your lane. And all of a sudden, talk about releasing the Kraken. Physicians (laughs) around the world and around the United States are saying, you want to know what I know about? I'll show you and I'll tell you. And it was a very powerful awakening. We have to realize that we do know about this stuff. Your colleagues yeah. in psychiatry and psychology and primary care and pediatrics and everywhere else, they know and they need yeah. to recognize that they know. This is also our lane, you that's know? That's right. That's right. That's, that's, really, that's really smart and astute of you to say that. 
So the article was in Time Magazine. We'll have links to it in the show notes. Are there other resources? Are there other people, personalities, websites that you refer people to or that you've learned a lot from that are important? You know, I'm going to be... I'm going to give a shout out to Megan, um, in part because I wrote with her, but in part because I admire her. Yeah. Um, everything she does with a firm is really great. They're a great resource for information and research and real facts. Another good resource would be Shannon Watts and Moms Demand Action and Everytown. They all have really great honestly quick statistics to read about and then you can link to the article or link to the research that they've done and I think that's a great place to start in terms of learning about mental illness itself like NAMI's website the um is very good the APA's website has some uh, patient resources that are quite good if you're focused on a college population the Jed Foundation is awesome um it's a good place to start if that's what you want to learn about, and they will always have something about how this is not a link between mass shootings and mental illness. This is really helpful. We'll have links to all of those resources in our show notes. Jesse, you wrote a great article. You and Megan collaborated. It's fantastic. The article is really important. I'm grateful to both of you to helping me have a better understanding of the illusory truth effect and now be able to help other people to understand that and work really hard to overcome it. I appreciate you writing the article, and I'm really grateful to you for coming on the show and talking about it. This is not easy work, but it's really important. Thank you so much for wanting to amplify the message and realizing how important it is to do so. Absolutely. Thank you very much again. We'll, we'll, we'll look for a volume two. We'll, we'll find another opportunity to collaborate, but for now, this was wonderful. Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you for listening to Explore the Space. Visit us on our website, explorethespaceshow.com. And please subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Follow us on Twitter at ETS Show. And you can email Dr. Shapiro by writing to mark at explorethespaceshow.com.